Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also, we look at sharing content. So if you you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Wes Patterson from Alberta, Canada. Uh, Wes and I have just been talking before recording about uh, mental health and uh, and wellness and leaders and holistic leadership. And uh, I feel like this is going to be a really great episode and, and uh, listeners are going to get a lot out of it. Hey, I'm going to get a lot out of it. I'm, I'm really excited. So uh, Wes, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to chat with you. Thanks for having me, Jono. It's it's great to be on, and I'm looking forward to our talk. To start off, um, can you give our listeners a bit of a, a bit of a bio, a bit of an idea of who you are and, and what you're doing, and the uh, in terms of organizations and and your work? Absolutely. So my name's Wes Patterson, and I reside in a city called Medicine Hat, and we're located in the province of Alberta in Canada. And as I was telling John earlier, we're not experiencing the rain similar to Australia. We're having minus 20 degree weather. So it's a bit (laughs) chilly up here. And part of what I do is I am in the area of business consulting. So I have a company, Patterson Consulting Inc. I'm also into health and wellness. And we have a company, Sedona North Healing Arts. And then I also do oversee corporate training at our local college, Medicine Hat College. And so I'm involved in many facets of leadership, in building leaders, in community building, in connecting in a, in a wide array of things. So in many ways, I would say a bit of a jack of all trades, Jono, if that, that kind of sums everything up on on what I'm doing these days. Yeah, I think that was a great uh, a great explanation of, of what you do. And now it would be great for our listeners to get a bit of a uh, window into Wes's story. Tell us, tell us about your background. Feel free to go back as far as you want and particularly any moments that you can think of that really shaped you becoming the leader and, and the person you are today because I know you do a lot of work helping leaders. Uh, the those moments that really shaped you becoming Wes Patterson, who you are today? Okay, well, I think I'll go back a ways. And I'll go back to all the way back when I was in in college and university and working as a lifeguard. And when I was working at the lifeguard, often that was a, a summer gig. And I worked at an indoor pool and was in supervisory positions. And then it was when I began overseeing this outdoor pool that I really got my first taste of leadership. And I remember looking back at that, and we had a staff of about 11, I would say young adults, that really enjoyed being out in the sun, getting their tan, and also earning some extra cash during their summer break studies. So that was probably my first experience of being a leader. And how I approached that was a few ways I 
I looked at the previous managers and how they ran things and looked at it from the point of view of what were their biggest headaches and how could I approach this with mitigating those headaches. And then I also looked at it from the point of view of the staff and the people that I was overseeing, the people that I was managing and thinking about it of what are they really looking for in this position. And so one of the things I did was we were getting rid of a couch and it was just an older couch. And so I brought, instead of just tossing this couch, I brought down the couch to the staff room because I thought, well, this would be a little bit more comfortable when they're coming off deck on break. They're going to be a little bit more comfortable. And we were overseen by a board, so I had to report to to a board. And one of the early things that I mentioned to the board was that I wanted to do a two-hour team building with the board. And prior to this assignment, this first leadership role, I'd been a part of an organization called Choices Seminars. And through that, I'd worked as a volunteer coach leading teams and leading groups in personal development. And I wanted to run this personality course with the group called True Colors. And True Colors is a way where you can quickly classify people in these different personality types. So blue, gold, orange, green, and a a gold person would be more calculated they'd be thinking about the the dollars and the profits and a green would be more innovative and a thinking type and a blue would be more sensitive and looking at people's feelings and emotions and the orange is a bit wild and fun and and action oriented and we're all a blend of all these things but one of the interesting things with this quick personality typing is you can start to see where people's motives are. So this was a a skill that I ran the group through. And then we did an exercise where you had to sell the opposite group. So we broke into groups and you had to pretend as though you were selling a car to the other group. And so the oranges were selling to the golds and the blues were selling to the greens and vice versa. And so we ran through this process. And then we went back to talking about how to use that on the job. And one of the things on the job that a lot of the people would look at as being students, uh, summer jobs, we had so many full-time positions, but only uh, a few of those. And then the rest were primarily part-time. But a lot of the part-time people want to get more hours. So one of the things that we looked at that we ran were swimming lessons. And so one of our competitive advantages at our pool was we had a really great rate on private swimming lessons. And so one of the things I brought up to the group was, well, if you're wanting to get more hours, sometimes there's the kids that don't quite pass that swimming lesson, but perhaps with two or three private lessons, they would gain that one-on-one skill and get enough experience to to then pass. Mm. And then you're not holding them back from holiday. They're able to complete without taking a whole other lesson. And so we sold this idea 
to the group. And I remember one of the things after that initial assignment, because we had to present all our results to the city of Lethbridge, their group of, of our profit and account for everything. And one of the people on high ups from the city was saying, well, I think you have an error with your results. And I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, we're looking at your year over year. And here we're looking at uh, this error with private swim lessons. I said, well, what's the error? Well, according to your numbers, your sales and private swim lessons increased 927%. And I said, and the error is, and they just couldn't <laughs> wow. fathom how in, in one season, they could have a tenfold jump in sales in that way. But in reality, it was looking at what's in it for the workers. Well, the workers were students and they wanted to make extra cash and they only had limited hours. And so the ways they could get more hours were to sell the swimming lessons. They also had brief training in personality. So now they knew great ways to quickly approach people on what's going to be of importance to them. And so it improved their communication skills. And I think one of the roles is us as leaders, when I left that assignment and I was moving to another city, I literally was building two of the staff members so that they could replace me the following season. So in some ways, I think being a, a great leader is being able to build your people up enough that at some point you're maybe building yourself out of a job. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And, and and that's fearful to a lot of leaders. Like lots of people, they want to kind of hold the cards. They don't want to give away the whole show. But I think there's a lot of power with that when you build people up to the point, and that's like great coaches and, you know, even in things like martial arts or competitive sports, you know, ultimately the coaches become, become coaching people that exceed their talent. So I think that's part of the transition. And, and as I've mm. grown as a leader, I've definitely seen those points where, you know, building up the people under you so that they can eventually surpass you is just going to move you to the next opportunity or the next thing. So, so that's, that's kind of an earlier story there, Jono, of one of my first tastes of leadership. Yeah, that was great. I appreciate you sharing that story. And I, I, I love stories like that because you obviously didn't know that you'd be doing what you're doing today, but you can hear the seeds of that, you know, that, uh, that wisdom around how to invest in those people and um, incredible results that came out of that that I'm sure, you know, now – now is a bit of a no-brainer in terms of helping others get those results. But when you're early on in your own journey, you don't know any of that's coming. So you're working these things out on the fly and going, oh, maybe this is something that I'm really passionate about. Absolutely, absolutely. Everywhere I've I found along the path is my one thing that's been certain is it has never been a straight path, John. It's never been a... <laughs> A, B, C, <laughs> D path. And, and I think if anyone tells you it's that way, you need to run because, <laughs> because they're feeding you, you know, that's kind of the false Messiah, false wisdom. 
uh, my experience is going to be different than yours is going to be different than the next person's and the next person's. And as leaders, one of the things we need to do is look at the people that we're leading. And sometimes depending on if we're leading, uh, and I'll use an example of one of my clients. Well, his, his facility, his plant, they have 2,600 employees. So he's not necessarily knowing everyone by name, um, but he's definitely knows his senior groups. And, and even though he doesn't know everyone by name, he'll still go to the plant and he'll go to the floor and he'll go to the different departments. And, and he's one of those leaders that, that's really taken that investment in. And, and that's a company that we've been working with for, for about five or six years. And, uh, definitely a Fortune 500 company, a global 500 company. They're uh, after the Swiss Nestle Corporation. They're the number two uh, producer of food worldwide, number one producer of beef. And uh, the plant that we built up in the last five years, they're now the number one plant worldwide. And they have plants across North America, South America, wow. Brazil, Europe. And That's amazing. So the work that we've been doing with them, it's really exciting to to see. And the neat thing with this, and I call it call it my little petri dish, is it's a very unique uh, location. And I encourage your listeners to Google this location after after listening to this talk. So it's a place called Brooks. Alberta, Canada. And it's it's probably one of the most unique places in Canada in that it has so many cultures from across the world, worldwide representation in Brooks. So at this at this plant location, they have over 120 cultures, uh, over 60 different or 80 different languages and 60 different dialects. So it's a great wow. group to work with to see if your strategies, if your techniques, if the wisdom that you're imparting is going to work on a global context. And, and some of the work that we've done with them around leadership, around uh, authentic leadership, around emotional intelligence, around quality management, quality improvement. It's all become integrated into the system where yes. in a sense we're teaching people to become the teachers. And and we're it yeah, it's very neat. I've I've already told uh the CEO, I said, you know, in, in five years I'm gonna be writing an article for the Harvard Business Review uh, as soon as we're not exposing all your trade secrets. And It'll be that far ahead <laughs> by then, not to worry. But, but yeah, it's definitely it's been an exciting project working on, on that one, and it's and it's actually been a series of projects. It's like we do this. It's like, well, where can we go next? Where can we go go next? And when you're working with companies like that, mm. um, that just charges me now, and and it gives the opportunity to see, you know, and and, and some of it is field testing. And that being said. 
you got to try things. And some of the things that you field test are going to fall flat. And, <laughs> but <laughs> you have to have a bit of courage to do that. And, and the thing that just popped in my head here, and I'm going to use another lifeguarding example. Uh, and this is one where I was teaching a class and, and this was teaching a swimming lesson. These were, these were little kids, they were toddler age. Yeah. So I would say around the two to five age group and me and another instructor, we both had, we both had a class around this age. And what we found, we had maybe about eight kids in each of our classes and about half the, half the class were good swimmers, strong swimmers, and half were weak. And so we were sitting in the hot tub the one day, uh, exploring our infinite wisdom at our, <laughs> in our early adulthood. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be great if everyone had a buddy? So each weak swimmer would have a strong swimmer buddy. So I don't know if they're the same with uh, your life jackets, but did little kids have those life jackets where they got the strap underneath that hooks between the legs, Chono? Oh, possibly. I It's been a long time since um, uh, our first is on the way in April, our first baby. So, so I haven't been to any swimming lessons since I was probably a child. So I, I can't remember, sorry. But it's a, it's a life jacket where there's a, uh, a cord underneath for kids, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so... Um, the ones that I'm thinking of here, they have like a couple buckles that snap in the front with a zipper, but then they also have a strap that kind of goes, um, from the back side of the life jacket, uh, between the legs and clips to the front side. So presumably that the life jacket's too big. It doesn't just slide off, um, the child. So it kind of adds a, an element of securement that you don't have in the adult life jackets. And so with our, with our infinite wisdom at, at that point in time, we thought, well, if we take the strong swimmer and we clip his strap into the buckle of the weak swimmer, then, you know, they're going to swim around. They're going to have a buddy. They're going to be more comfortable and, and everyone will say, stay safe. So we lined up all the kids. So we, we strapped them in, we got them hooked to the life jacket of their buddy and we got them all lined up on the edge of the pool. So then we're both in the, the water and then we tell the kids, okay, on the count of three, we're going to jump one, two, three, jump. And so on the count of three, all the strong swimmers jumped, all the weak swimmers hesitated. And then you saw kind of like uh, a bungee cord, the whiplash effect as all the weak swimmers got yanked into the pool and, and suddenly we had a whole group of screaming toddlers and, and quickly recognized the error of our ways. So, so that's an example of, you know, you try something like, okay, that worked terrible. Um, but you're <laughs> going to find those things all the time when you start leading teams, leading groups. A lot of the things you try are going to fall, fall flat. Uh, Looking back at times when I was in sales and times when I was in account management, uh, going, visiting clients and that, there was times I walked in and people told me to F off and get out. And um, I was, you know, almost like verbally abused and, and things. 
And part of being a leader and progressing in any career is to is to just chalk some of that up and and it's to build resilience yeah. and it's to build a strong sense of self-worth and and identity and purpose and when you have that then that's going to get you through through anything one that's that's of, a good um segue i just wanted to ask because it's been such a challenging season how have you seen leaders uh, in terms of resilience, I just think that's a really great word. What are you seeing leaders struggle around uh, with resilience right now around mental health and, and, and holistic leadership coming out of and, and really still in the middle of COVID? Yeah, so that's a great question. And, and it's something that's being felt on many levels. And one of the things that people don't realize is there's not a lot of people reaching out to the leaders. The leaders don't necessarily have mm, the shoulder true. to cry on. Yeah, you're right. The people that are leading, and you would be surprised, but probably in the past couple of years, the conversations that I've had with leaders and the work I've done with other leaders, there's been a lot more negativity and struggles and challenges and and moments of weakness felt than I've seen probably in the last 5, 10, 15, 15 years prior. And wow. it's definitely becoming a lot more prevalent. And there's a part of being a leader where there's some of that pride where people don't necessarily want to to share that or share those weakness or not, not disclose that, not open up. And I think there's a lot of power when you can be real and you can be transparent and you can be authentic. One of the things we're seeing here in our region of Canada is through the pandemic, there was a, it wasn't so much the illness and deaths from, from COVID, we were noticing a huge rise in the number of suicides and wow. the number of drug use and the number of uh, domestic violence and all of this because now everyone's locked in their homes and these stresses. So Behind the scenes, I was getting texts, I was getting messages, I was getting emails. And it was people having the stresses from both sides of the spectrum. And so if we look at the spectrum of the people that are pro-vaccination and the spectrum of the people that are anti-vaccination, like the, the polar opposites. Mm. I'd be meeting with people on both sides of that. And when you get down to it, they're having the same types of problems. They're having the same pains, the same stresses, wow. the same worries, the same anxieties. They're just framing them a bit different. And it was very interesting as I began having these conversations 
with people, it'd be funny because you just put it into the context. So you might have this person, and I'll pick on the anti-vax group, that's totally anti-vax. I'm not taking the jab, I'm not taking any of those things, but yet they're ordering this Guatemalan herb and and going to take that. I said, so you won't take this thing from outside of your body and put it into your body, but you'll take this other thing that's, you know, so I would use humor. I'd use to make it light and then through yeah. our conversations, start creating those connections to the other. Because when people are getting the stress, when people are moving into these negative states, these states of anger, fear, um, and even into those very the worst states where you're moving into apathy and guilt and hopelessness, one of the things we start to see a lot more is with those negative states, we see people complaining. And we see them casting judgment. And we see them blaming. Because they don't want to accept those points or those weaknesses that they're they're experiencing. And one of the things to look at this whole pandemic, you can look at it as all the terrible things and all the things that happened and how it's affected us this way and that. Or you can look at all of the things it's done and all the new tech that's come out and all the new new ways it's revolutionizing industry talking with a lawyer it's pushed the legal industry ahead about a hundred years just with our ability to instantaneously sign documents before we had to meet in person and do some of this so we're going to see major disruptions in the financial industry major disruptions in the insurance industry. As a consultant, a company in Singapore might not have hired me previously. But now that they don't need to fly me out, we can adapt and do things via Zoom. Now I'm able to compete on a much larger scale. So it's going to disrupt all kinds of of industries and there's going to present all kinds of opportunities. So at the end of the day, I'm a true believer in what is. So we can get into all these things of looking this way or that way, but what is? What's happening right now? What is happening right now? And look at that and sit with that and be okay with that and be okay in your skin and be okay to be vulnerable. Uh, I was talking with a leader of another organization and we are talking about areas of, of balance. And when that question came up for him, he really had to sit with that because he said, you know, I'm killing it at my work and my career. But I don't have that family life worked out. Yeah. And so I think as leaders, we need to be, we need to be leaders in all areas. We need to be leaders at home. We need to be leaders in our community. We need to be leaders with our family and our friends. Uh, And as leaders, you never know who's watching. It's amazing. You could say the smallest thing. And like I've had moments where I've 
said a comment. Sometimes they've been like on on the point of being a bit harsh in some of the comments because I get very real when I talk with with clients and I get very honest because I I'm a true believer in honesty and being transparent, being authentic, and speaking from the heart when needed. Yep. And what I see a lot of is you can say like just a couple words and it's almost, and I can't even explain. It's almost as though it's just flown. It just flows through. It's when you get into that flow state and just flows through you as though it, I'm just speaking the words and they're just coming off the tip of the tongue. And those are the words that that person needs. And then three months later, they come running across the hall to you and say, when you said this, that really, and sometimes it's like, you know, I really hated when you said that to me, but I couldn't get it out of my head. And, and I had to look <laughs> at that in the mirror. And, and that's, that's when so we good. start getting into those crucial conversations and getting in, we start getting beyond the surface. And as leaders, we need to be open to that. And we also need to know when to shut up. We need to practice our shut-ups. And that's been one of my big, big things for this past year too is when working with clients, you know, I don't always have to be the expert. I don't always have to be the pillar of wisdom. Sometimes I just have to be the presence there. And I just have to ask really good questions. Mm. And as I ask those questions, that leads to them giving a bit more. And then from what they give, then I, and when you really listen, the next question will come and the next question. And sometimes just going through that <laughs> process, it's amazing what you can dig <laughs> and, and bring just, up. And I was just saying to someone today on that, I was saying, you know, when I first started doing, uh, coaching, I, I naively thought it was going to be my incredible advice, which would be most helpful for people. I thought, oh, I can really help people and, and tell them this incredible, incredibly helpful advice. And uh, I'd say such a high percentage at the end of every session, when I ask what was their key takeaway or most helpful, people just say, just being able to talk that, <laughs> to talk that through. And uh, I love that. And I think that should be an encouragement for leaders who are wanting to invest in their people, like you mentioned earlier. And, and I just, I really appreciated how you mentioned that building your team and building your people, not being threatened by the idea of replacing yourself and, and doing yourself out of a job, but actually seeing the bigger picture and realizing you don't have to know everything. If you can be that presence, ask, ask the right questions and leave uh, silence. I, one of my favorite sayings is to let the silence do the heavy lifting. And if you can do that with your own people, you can facilitate so much growth that doesn't require you to be the expert <laughs> at all. And of course, you can always add in a bit of advice here or there, but so much of, of what I do, and it's really surprised me, is actually in that being present, creating the space and facilitating uh, the, the moment for people to have that revelation or to stop and reflect on something like you've mentioned. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's great power in holding space. Uh, one of the, the processes when we ran the choices program 
that we would put people through would be holding eye contact without words and just holding a gaze for about 30 seconds. And it gets to those points where it's uncomfortable and you start feeling nervous and because you're being Mm. watched and you're that, but then there comes this point where it just softens and, and so, and, and there's a real power in that. And when I mean with a lot of, a lot of clients, sometimes the best thing you can do is, is to just be silent. Or even if you know the answer to something, someone speaking on something is not to interrupt and not to jump in. Sometimes we want to rush it or we already know that or we're going to finish someone's sentence. But when you do that, now you've undermined that person. And are they going to contribute again? Mm. So you now knew that answer but now you've lost their involvement. Whereas if you can make your team and you can make your group and you can make everyone look good, you bring them up and you rise them up. And one of the guys that I really like listening to a lot of his stuff is Simon Sinek. And, and he wrote that book, Leaders, Leaders Eat Last. And, and yeah, I really do like a lot of his principles in that fashion. and. And I remember a thing where he was talking about being at a meeting and because he didn't have an MBA and there was another consultant there, he kept asking questions and I'm sorry, you know, and apologizing. And and that's a very Canadian thing to do. So sometimes when I'm teaching certain groups, I'm like, okay, we all start out very (laughs) Canadian. Oh, sorry, sorry, pardon. (laughs) And, and because we're very, it's almost like in our language where we're, where we're apologizing. And then when we get into that point of being comfortable and okay in our own skin, then, then we're not deflecting. We're not doing that uh, apologizing. But he, when Simon Sinek talked about that in, in his story, then soon some of the other people on the board in this meeting started saying the same things. Yeah, I didn't understand what was going on either like a lot of the times when i'm working with these senior execs it's like herding cats and especially when you're working with people and you have (laughs) language barriers and you have uh different things in different cultures you'll see all kinds of interesting things show up so one example uh with the leadership program that that we run um at that plant that we've noticed the the petri dish of international culture is a lot of the eastern european cultures they can be kind of harsh and brash and i think of some of the you know german and russian and you know they can be very stoic and short with people and yet yeah, well that's not the way we do it and, and you know just very direct and and short and then we look at some of the cultures uh, like individuals from, say, some Southeast Asian countries like the Philippines or or Vietnam, where sometimes they have their heads down and they're more reserved and dismissive. And one of the interesting things that happens is uh, with this integrated training and these integrated processes that we put the groups through, 
they'll come and they'll learn a bit and they'll take the processes and then they'll go back and they'll apply them in the work. And part of their homework is to report back and to track and journal and, and be using these in the business. And then they are gone for a month and a half and they come back and we do the next round and, you know, they, they move through the levels over the course of nine, 10 months. And what we start to see is we start to see the Eastern European types, they start to soften. They start to open up. They start to be more listening, more compassionate. So their emotional intelligence is increasing. And then another thing we start to see in uh, the people from the Philippines is now son, they have that head held high. The shoulders are back. They've got a more more confident and more powerful stature. They're speaking louder. Their voice is being heard. And in many ways, I, I always joke about it. I say we're Canadianizing them because in many ways, Canada is becoming this big, big pool of, of kind of we are the world and, and the, the cultural dynamics are continually changing as, as more and more People from all over the world start start coming to Canada and looking at the opportunities of education and work and and that I think that's only going to continue as as time goes. Hmm. It's I think it's a bit similar here actually. <laughs> I think Australians can be a bit similar to Canadians. Uh, in some ways, uh, definitely find that we we can struggle. You'd think the the average Australian might do conflict well, but I think a lot of Australians do struggle because we're quite laid back and um, not naturally uh, necessarily good at conflict. And so there's a bit of a similarity there. And uh, I think I think other cultures um, and cultural backgrounds, like as an example, I married into a Greek family and uh, or greek heritage they're australian but with greek heritage and they they conflict uh, very differently and i've learned so much from them because in their culture that's it's very normal to have healthy conflict uh, it's not always perfectly healthy but they do it really well and so i love i love learning that but you're right the different different cultures come here and they'll be the side of that they never say they just say yes and then um don't follow through or they're too blunt and uh um and yeah, but but regardless of where you're from, it's about finding that that confidence, that vulnerability. I love that story about saying, I actually don't know, can I ask you? And people going, oh, neither do I. Thank goodness someone had the courage to ask. 100%, 100%. And, and it's funny. Um, so one example and this other story, I'm, I'm very good at telling stories, John. So this other story that uh, popped into it. my head is, we were doing some work with the city. So we were looking at at working with their executive team and some ways to incorporate concepts of lean into their organization to eliminate waste and looking at the eight wastes. And with the city, they just wanted us to look at the seven wastes, you know, kind of, I don't know, keep the keep the people side waste, maybe, maybe move that over here. And one of the big things that they kept saying in the early meetings, 
I remember we were in this big boardroom and they had all the glass windows around and they had this very small whiteboard. And as the meeting was going, at one point, we started talking about concepts of project management and managing projects and and that. And so we had a lot of the nods and it was like, can can we just explain that here? And walking up to the whiteboard, well, the whiteboard's very small. So one of the, the things, for example, at uh, a company that works with unmanned aircraft and they, they design these remote things and basically they're for military war games. They make these complex helicopters and boats and they're, they're a fraction of the size and, but still they're probably like 150 grand for one of these unmanned vehicles that are pretty much used for a war game and shot down, but they run all these military drills. So they have their whole facilities full of engineers and the engineers, when you go through that facility, it's, you see all the glass and they're writing the formulas and they're writing the calculations on the glass. So it's very visual uh, throughout the, the facility. Well, we're at the city and we got the whiteboard marker and it's like, well, do you mind if we just, this whiteboard's really small, do you mind if we white on the glass? And we had a whole room full of senior level. These are heading up all the multiple departments throughout the, the municipality. And no one could make a call. Well, is it okay if we write on the grass or on the glass? And so you could just see a lot of the entrenched bureaucracy. (laughs) And and it was like, literally, like you could see fear in the eyes. Like, I don't know, can you write on the glass? And (laughs) if you think about it, you you know, how hard would it be to get some, like we can wipe it off and get the janitorial staff to take a squeegee to but that was just kind of a thing that's indicative of their culture. And one of the things they kept saying is, well, we can't touch our culture and we have very strong values and that. And so I just asked the question, well, what are your core values? And again, it was like deer in headlights and they started looking at each other. Then they're flipping through their materials. Well, our values are, and they're reading them out. So these were very very entrenched values. (laughs) They're very strong when you don't, you know, so, We often use these buzzwords in that because we want to sound like we're involved in this, but we're not necessarily being honest with that. And that alone told me so much more. Like those two things, not being able to (laughs) write on the glass, the no clue on that, you know, those are the things that you, you start spotting when you ask these questions and then you just observe. And so, so much can be, be observed, uh, you know, go to a local mall and, and people watch yeah. and, and you can pick up a lot of, a lot of neat information, just, just doing that activity for sure. And <laughs> yeah, it's into true. the lives of others. Well, it's been great hearing. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing the stories and, and some great insights Let's jump into Leadership Express, where I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions and just give us the first answer that pops into your head. So uh, what is a book that you've gifted a lot over time to other people, Wes? Uh, The Four Agreements. 
that's, four agreements. That's well, one that okay. I definitely gifted. Have you heard of the four agreements? I have heard. I have heard about. It. I was just deciding whether to. I was trying to think of it. So tell us about the four agreements quickly. <laughs> so I I just picked it up here. The four agreements. It's a Toltec wisdom book. It's written by Don Miguel Ruiz and. And he has four agreements. And so actually, I'm just going to flip here. Let's see. So four agreements are the first agreement. Be impeccable with your word. Agreement number two. Don't take anything personally. Oh, they're great. Agreement number three, don't make assumptions. And agreement number four, always do your best. So it's a very quick read. It's a very short read, but it's definitely one that, that I do recommend to a lot because it can work across. It's not too complex. It's very simple, yeah. timeless principles that people can start putting into their their life and it's not a point of getting it perfect you're never mm. going to always be operating out of all four agreements but again if you're always doing your best you know we always do our best and god does the rest right so you can kind of look at it in that way you know the best you can do is the best you can do and all you can do is all you can do so yeah that's so you can lie your um, head down at night doing your best then and you feel satisfied. That's great. The four agreements. Uh, any great podcasts you listen to, or any other sources that you you find yourself often reading, watching, or, or listening to at the moment? So I have you heard of Jordan Peterson? Yes, yes, I have. Doctor Jordan Peterson. I do enjoy listening to Doctor Jordan Peterson. Uh, his podcast. That's one that I catch. I've. I've caught bits of, of Joe Rogan. I know he kind of stirs the pot sometimes. I'm going to put a quick shout out to a bit more of an obscure podcast. This is one that my brother does. It's called Show Me the Crypto. So it's an interesting one for anyone that's in the, the crypto space into NFTs and machine learning. And, and he's definitely had quite yeah, a right. wide array of of characters on his show for sure. Excellent. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's a great, uh, a great tip. Okay. Uh, a time management or productivity tip or tool or resource you use. One that I love using is a concept through CMC Canada and it's called an OR. And I use this for meetings. And so I'm actually going to be yep. doing a talk in February for the CMC, for the province of, Al of Ontario chapter. And I include this concept within uh, the talk that I do on the power of meeting circles. And so the concept is objectives, uh, the agenda, roles, and rules. And so prior to any meeting, what I get in the habit of doing is I send out an OR to the client, to the subcommittee, to the committee, to the board, whoever I'm meeting with, I'll always send an OR. And 
My ask is that I receive the OR back 48 hours before the meeting. If I don't receive the OR back 48 hours before the meeting, then yep. we need to postpone the meeting. Mm. And I can tell you, if you start using the OR, you will find that you will stop wasting time in meetings. You'll cut right to the chase. Your meetings will become quick, efficient, effective. You'll get all the topics done and all the points. You'll jump right into it. And then if there's some time remaining at the end, that's when there's, there's chit-chat. One of the things, especially uh, with working a bit in academia, is I've experienced different groups of people. And what I found is that there's, there's some people that enjoy meetings. And one of the reasons they enjoy jumping in meetings is that they, they likely don't enjoy this other thing called work. <laughs> so I find if you can make your meetings effective, efficient, get to the points, then you're not wasting them. In the past, I've been yeah. at meetings and we're missing the key person for the meeting. So now we're all having this meeting and it's just postponed. Well, that's just wasting everyone's time. Now you've wasted every single other person's time yeah. at that meeting. So your objectives, agenda, roles, and rules, you get everyone to write that down. And now you have yeah. everyone actively involved in the, the meeting. Everyone takes ownership in it. Everyone has a role. You have rules. So maybe a rule is everyone goes around, shares, no one interrupts. You know, everyone gets their point across, right? What, but you can frame mm. that however you want for whatever specific meeting uh, you're having. So, so it works great for, for five-minute huddles. It works great for uh, more in-depth strategic planning sessions, um, even if they're full yep. day. Again, the OR is a great, great tool. And if you want after, John, I'll send you a copy. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm interested to know. So, just to help me get my head around it. So, when when you're sending this through before a meeting, so does every person who's going to participate in the meeting send it back to you? Or absolutely. Or the so, person well, who, let's say someone uh, says okay. we have to meet. So here's an yep. example. So someone says, "Hey, we have to have a meeting." Yep. So, like, if I'll use the example of a client, we need to meet and we have to have a meeting about this. Perfect. Yep. Send me an or. Because then I know what the objectives, what the agenda, what the rules, what the rules are. And if I don't get the or, like it's 48 hours, then I just say, yeah, haven't got the or yet. Let's postpone the meeting, meet here. Uh, if you can get it to me in the next couple of days, then we can meet at this point. You know, because then you're not yeah, wasting time. I love that. 100%. And, then, and an interesting cool. thing with committees is I've had people leave committees because they've suddenly recognized that, and I've been leading committees, and now I've had people drop out of committees because they're like, well, this is actually too much of a time commitment. And that, well, now they're getting honest. So now I'm not yes. having to schedule a meeting around everyone's time with someone who's not even vested. So yeah, it's better that yeah, if they're great. not vested... There's no sense having them there. They're just going to be that boat anchor and 
And if we're all waiting for someone who's not vested and it's not even, you know, best enough to send back an or, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's funny because it's true. It's like you're raising the water level and you, people underestimate how much a little bit, a little bit of accountability can make a difference. And that little bit of accountability of going, okay, happy to meet, just send this through to me first filters out. I, I find the same thing works when you're hiring. Uh, I think you don't want to put people through unnecessary hoops, but you do want to create, uh, you know, create a process where you shouldn't be trying to make it like if you're wanting a, dil- a diligent person, then don't be afraid to ask them to submit something and pay attention if they, if they don't, because if, if you want someone who's diligent and competent and it's going to be on their best be- behavior when it comes to that, then it's going to be when they're applying for a role in the first place. Um, so having that, I, I like that idea because it creates a bit of a filter for your meetings. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and speaking of hiring, one thing that always puts up a flag for me is I'll always ask, do you have any questions for me or do you have any questions for us? And a big flag for me is if they don't have any questions or they don't have any input or they don't have yes anything. I think if you're being prepared and you're being serious about roles, you should at least have gone to my website. You should at least have researched my company. You should at least be, you know, having some of that knowledge coming in. Right. So um, I think that's just a a point of courtesy Mm. and respect. And, and it sets you apart um, when you do have questions and you do have, like, I remember one that was asked, to me early on was it was the question of well who would you see as as a client that you would bring in or you would approach if you were with our organization the one question that i threw back at them was who do you want and they kind of looked at themselves <laughs> and so now I'm interviewing them. I'm like, well, who do you want? Who do you want as your client? <laughs> yeah. Who who do you want me to get getting as your client? And like a dead pen, like also <laughs> and then I had more questions beyond that. And so uh, so yeah. I, I'm I'm sure I rub some people the wrong way at times, Jono, but it's never in in a negative spirit. It's just more in a, an inquisitive spirit. And there was a point in my life and <laughs> there, there was a point in my life where I started looking at, I really had to do, and this was a soul searching point. So I'm going to share a bit of a, a soul searching point. When I had recognized that were so many opportunities or things I knew to act on and I didn't, and I watched these opportunities float between my fingers And then there was this one point where I recognized that I am no longer going to hesitate. I'm no longer going to hold back. When I have a good idea, I'm just going to act on it. I'm going to start doing that. And I tell you, as soon as I started doing that, ever since that moment in my life, when when I made that epiphany, like I remember back to the point where, um, this is probably a decade ago when I was thinking, you know, and my my cousin was 
heavily involved in it right off at the onset of Bitcoin. And I was thinking, you know, I should really buy some of that Bitcoin. Well, that's like one example. Like, didn't buy any. <laughs> now yeah. Bitcoin's worth like 50 grand. You like, like just these things, right? I'm, but, but I've had so many of these. And now I look at it of not so much to look back in the past because the way I look at it is million dollar opportunities are coming forth every day. They're out there every day. They're out in the sphere or there's opportunities to move towards that are going to move the needle. And you just have to be willing to, to go for them and, and take yeah. that. And are you going to fall down some? Sure. Uh, but as one of my mentors says, he says, they're not shooting at you. You know, I've never, never left a buyer's <laughs> office broker, <laughs> you know, and he says yeah. a lot of these really smart quips and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah that's a good point. You know, you, you know, yeah, no one's shooting true. at me, you know, like the yeah. customer <laughs> is irate in that, but you know, I'm still here. One of the things that, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, but there was a movie that came out years ago with Edward Norton and Brad Pitt called uh, Fight Club. And it yes. was yeah, love a it. bit of this dark, obscure movie. And anyways, um, one of the things that I've done for years is martial arts. And I got into competitive sport arts for a bit and got into, and now I'm more into the combatives. And now I, um, I train with, you know, we have some doctors in our group and stuff. So it's, it's kind of an eclectic group of us training in these obscure arts. And so one of the arts that I have uh, a need in is Budo Taijutsu, uh, the Bujikan. So essentially it's ninja. Wow. Um, it's uh, three ninja houses and six samurai houses. Uh, that's what's kind of been the buildup of the Bujikan out of Japan. And, and when you go to Hombo, they have, you know, people from Interpol and the FBI and NSA and, you know, all these different countries send a lot of their secret service. So I've been learning all these techniques and, and skill sets and, and a few different arts as well as uh, Bruce's, Bruce's art and our niece. And, and sometimes people ask, like, why are you learning this stuff? And part of it is, well, I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Um, so part of it is being a man is being a protector <laughs> and a provider and having the skill set. But there is a level of when you develop some of these skills, it becomes you just don't ever have those conflicts because now you're giving off an energy or in a presence on a yeah. unconscious or subconscious level that people aren't going to mess with you. And there's a bit of a power knowing that like when you're walking into, you know, a high profile meeting that, you know, I'm going to be okay. I, <laughs> you know, I'm coming out of here alive. No one's shooting at me. And if someone pulls a gun, I can handle myself. You know, when you have those things, you can kind of go into those situations. You also have the awareness where you avoid those places too. And you don't venture out at night uh, one of the things when I'm working with people from different cultures and different countries, 
throughout the world is I'll start asking them questions about their culture, about their country. I'm like, could I travel to your country? Would it be safe for me to go by myself? And, and you'll get all kinds of things. No, no, don't come to Somalia or no, no, or, oh, sure. Yeah. Except at nighttime or, you know, yes, but you need to pay so-and-so and, and, and that. And so I find that, that fascinating. Um, when I was at years ago and, this, this dates me a bit, but back when I was at in university, I did a, a work experience, an internship at, at Murphy Oil in Malaysia. And that was, a, that was an interesting experience indeed. And one of the things that was interesting was we went down to the customs office. And when we were at the customs office, I noticed that there were all these boxes and people were playing like, uh, Dr. Mario or Tetris, like a, just an older, almost Nintendo-like game on their computer screens. and But all these boxes were just piled up in that. And I went down there with Zymie, and Zymie was uh, a Malay, a Bumiputra. And we went down to the government customs office. And so he kind of looked at me at one point. He said, you sit here. And he went into the room, and they were in the room for 10, 15 minutes. And then he came out, and we left. and. I said, so are we good? He's like, oh, yeah, our, our inventory's getting moved and everything's all good and go ahead. And I said, well, what about these guys' inventory? And I pointed at some of the boxes and he and another staff kind of looked at me and didn't say anything went off. But right then I learned something very important about doing business in Malaysia and the importance of having mm-hmm. a local connection there. because what I later found out is like a lot of the people that don't, yeah, they're going to be stopped. They're going to have logistical nightmares. Their boxes aren't moving. So if you don't have the right person connected there, because a Malay are all interconnected with government. And so, you know, learning these things when you're doing business in other countries, you know, very, very key. Uh, yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. And working with different cultures, I, that's a fascinating story about Malaysia. Uh, well, as we as we wrap up, I'm just keen for listeners who might have found it really helpful today and, and really enjoyed your stories to know where to find you. Uh, where can people find you online, Wes? So if people want to find me online, uh, there's two websites they can go to. If they're looking at areas of the work we do with health and wellness, they could go to sedonanorth.ca so s-e-d-o-n-a-n-o-r-t-h dot c-a or they can visit my if they're interested in consulting and leadership and more of the stuff that we've talked about for the major part of today they can go to pattersonconsulting.org and that's patterson with one t it's the scottish patterson not the English 2T Patterson. So P-A-T-E-R-S-O-N consulting.ca. And um, then I guess the other website that they could go to to find information about some of the work that I've been doing with Medicine at College could be visiting our college website at mhc.av.ca. And yeah, those those are the best ways or 
simply go on to LinkedIn, type in Wes Patterson and, uh, and, and friend request me, like me, follow me there. I'm often posting a lot. I find that's one of the social media that I, that I enjoy LinkedIn. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it's been, uh, it's been just wonderful to, to chat. And I just want to say a massive thanks to you for being so generous with your time and, uh, for coming on and sharing stories and, and chatting about your background and what you do. It's, it's been great, Wes. So thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, John. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And, you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders, and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively, and that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also, subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, Jono White, 
or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases, you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.